Imagine now if it was a digital physical building and every employee make their own keys to access the factory, the building, the physical room. It was the world upside down. Welcome to the Silicon UK in Focus podcast. Silicon UK is the leading source of IT news, analysts, features and interviews covering the technology that impacts your business. I'm your host, David Hull, the Editor-in-Chief here at Silicon UK. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Julia O'Toole, the founder and CEO of Mycena Security Solutions. We discussed how digital security has changed and how Mycena has a unique approach to securing password access. That could be how we all make digital security more robust and easier to use in the future. Welcome, Julia. Thanks very much, David, for having me on your program. I think listeners will be aware that across Silicon UK this month, we're looking at uh, all things security and what that uh, sort of impacts on businesses, their customers, supply chain, really a, a high-level view of what all that uh, that kind of means. I was quite intrigued to get your views, uh, Julie, because I was sent uh, you know, your current report, and that makes a very interesting reading, I think, particularly about what security means in context today and how it's vitally important that it's all set up correctly and configured, otherwise it doesn't work. So I mean, I'm very interested to get your sort of views on that. But before we, we sort of sort of kick off, what's your background, Julia? I know you're, you're the founder of the company, but uh, what sort of brought you to, to founding uh, Mycena? What's, what's, uh, what's your background? So my background is that, uh, was in math, but uh, I actually worked many jobs, including in uh, management consulting. But uh, what brought me to cybersecurity was actually originally my own problem, which I've had for over 20 years with passwords. There right. was yeah. a point where I just couldn't see a login screen anymore. <laughs> it would just give me nightmares. <laughs> yes. And, and, um, and really poisoned my life, I'd say, um, until I um, traveled to Mycena, which is an ancient Greek city on the um, island of Peloponnese in, in Greece, where over 3,000 years ago, the Mycena had designed a city with multiple levels of security. So when you first got to the city, you could see a lion's gate, which became yep. our company logo. Mm-hmm. And then once you entered the city, there was another gate that took you to the garrison. And then there was another gate to take you to the king's palace. So that actually framework of layered security gave me the idea of actually creating a fortress with multiple levels of security where you would actually not store all your passwords in the same place, but the most important passwords in the deeper layers and the, the least important, like newsletters, for example, in the outer layer. So um, that would reduce the, all the, the issues of a, a single access that I thought in those days make no sense, which still don't make no sense. But from that point, we actually went on to designing personal solutions and then enterprise solutions for, you know, for cybersecurity, access to security, encrypted access, which is what we uh, pioneered. So uh, I'm sure we're going to have time to talk about it. Uh, in a, Absolutely, in a yes. Um- I mean, the whole, uh, I mean, there's a debate going on at the moment, isn't there, about, um, I guess, what security means, um, how we will access information, how businesses can make that uh, maybe uh, more seamless and invisible for, for their customers. Because clearly, it's still a pressure point and still an issue uh, when we're all trying to access all the digital services which we which want to access. But I guess from uh, for, for for a sort of kickoff uh, with uh, with this conversation, um, as I said, I've come to I guess I've come to the company via your via your report, um, and what really stood out for me was was that point that um, you guys found that in a lot of cases security was there, businesses had thought about that, they put something in place, but they hadn't configured it correctly. There was an issue there. Um, which I find to be amazingly, that's like the Achilles heel, surely, of a security if you haven't set it up correctly. Um, so was that, was that a, a surprise to you as well when you, uh, when you got the data back? 
Um, not really. I mean, you know, as again, as I said earlier, I come from a math background, so I actually analyze the problems, try to go back to the roots. And uh, so um, the way I've seen security for the last couple of decades, uh, if you rewind back uh, to try and understand what happened, is that um, we rushed into digital um, very quickly <laughs> and the companies were pushed and then transposed all the business into the digital world. Uh, the main purpose being convenience. And we, we saw that during COVID, it's uh, very convenient to be able to work from anywhere and access your data from anywhere. But then the problem with the digital world is that you can't see digital risks. I mean, our human brain is not made to see digital risks. We can see you know, a road danger, a lion danger, you know, a lot of physical risk dangers, but we can't see digital risks. And so as a consequence, people didn't think of digital security as, a, as a, even a, a topic when it started. So uh, what happened uh, was, I think, uh, you know, a, a breakthrough moment was when people decided to change the existing security principles without realizing that they did. So the biggest change of all uh, in this whole process was actually how they dealt with the access. So even today, when a new employee starts working in a physical building, a factory or an office, they're not asked to make their own keys. You know, the companies give them the keys and badges so that they can start working in the different, the different places they need to access. These, those keys are changeable. They don't depend on the employee and they can have as many keys as they need, you know, as many system, uh, as many keys as they have doors. Uh, but then when the, you transpose all of that into the digital world, suddenly everyone was asked to make their own keys or passwords. Imagine now if it was in a digital physical building and every employee make their own keys to access the factory, the building, the physical room. It was the world upside down. And so, you know, this shift, simple shift made the companies lose control of the access and expose themselves to what the employees were doing. So any employee uh, you know, behavior was completely uh, out of their control. And also they had no visibility what happens, whether the employee shares it, sells it, get it fished, no visibility at all about the, um, the access security. So uh, I think uh, that easily explains why for the last couple of decades, and certainly Verizon for the last 15 years, has quoted that uh, over 80% of uh, breaches have started from logins because you know they, yeah. there's they, no visibility about what happens to them. Yes, and we kind of blame people for that, don't we? We we sort of say, oh, it's 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 the human element, and you're not creating strong passwords, and uh, you know you're reusing the same one for several accounts, etc. But yeah. as you say, it, if you if you look back. We weren't really given a choice. It was a case of, here's a system, you want to access it. We're not going to give you the keys. You access that yourself with the idea that if I create the keys, it's somehow more secure because they're my keys. But actually, it's almost counterproductive, isn't it? Completely. That's why companies have spent so much money on cybersecurity and they're still getting hacked. So you know, at some point, um, they, they decided to blame blame it on the employees. So we've spent all this money, but we're still getting hacked. It's because of you, employees. But actually, you know, they set up the employees to fail in the first place. They can't really blame <laughs> yes. uh, you know, the human elements. Take the example of road safety. It's very much like 80% of the uh, crashes happen in one road junction. And then you should start blaming all the drivers who drive on that junction for being bad drivers. You know, never questioning the fact that maybe that junction is poorly designed and that, you know, accidents are just, just yeah, prone to happen in, uh, in, if it's designed this way. And, uh, and basically, people were set up to fail from the beginning because people cannot remember all these different passwords. You know, that's why they use one, two, three, four, five, six, not because they are mischievous, just because they can't. In any way, I mean, even if it was, let's say, a very strong password, a phishing doesn't save you from getting that password stolen. So I think the key really is to understand you know, how these keys can be protected and make sure that uh, the system is applied so that humans can't fail. 
Yes, and I think that's uh, that's correct. I think we all to blame in a way, or at least everyone has, I guess, a role to play here, don't they? It's not just the business. It's not just us as consumers or just as, uh, as employees who want to access a system. We're kind of all in this together, aren't we? And I think it's right. I think it was interesting that your report said, yep, configuration of systems is important, even even though it seems to be quite lax in some, some areas. It's something that we all have to work towards together. I think I often speak to businesses and they say oh, we're educating our workforce to be more secure and more sort of security savvy. But I always argue, well, that's fine. But what are you doing as well? What are you doing to make the systems maybe more more easy to access? Are you making them more transparent? What, what are you trying to do to to make that relationship secure? but make that relationship as easy as possible because you're right. Any kind of friction, any kind of issue, I won't use the system because it's just too hard. I think that's kind of where, I guess, my scene kind of comes from, isn't it? It's that idea that we understand where we are. We all have a role to play, but how can we make those roles integrated and as easy as possible to live together? Actually, the, the, the process, you not know, from a say, mathematical point of view, is actually quite simple. You try to go back to a place that you knew in the physical world, but with the digital constraints. So let me explain. In the digital, mm, sure. in the physical world, you get physical keys. So um, you know, you, when you hand these keys to employees, there's only the people who are in proximity with these keys who can steal them. So now, when you move to the digital world, you've got all these keys. Digital keys can be stolen by anyone anywhere. So there's this 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 uh, this difference that you need to take into account. But what you can try to recreate is the, the, the good old security that you will, will always known from millennia: one door, one key, and make sure that the key cannot be stolen. So how do you do that? As a company, you can very easily encrypt all of your access, and then distribute all these you know thousands, millions of passwords to your employees without them even seeing them because they're encrypted. And then the employees receive them in the fortress. It's like the, it's the Mycena model of fortress that I talked you know talked to, mm-hmm. to you earlier about. And then these employees, um, when they, they need to open a door, they just, you know, um, click on the door, uh, and click, click on the button so that the key can get uh, transferred directly onto the system without them ever seeing them. And by doing that, you just completely take away the risk from the shoulders of the employee, uh, of doing anything that's, you know, basically you create the roads, uh, so that the cars can't crash. <laughs> and then you remove all the, the human risks. That at the moment are you know laid on the shoulders of the employees, which they should have never been put in the situation in the first place. That's an interesting point, Julia. What 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 reaction do you kind of get from I guess your client base when you say this is this is kind of how security really ought to be set up? We ought to take more responsibility as an employer, and you really shouldn't be asking your employees to do this kind of stuff. Really, was that a kind of a revelation for people when you kind of explain how how you think security ought to be be set up going forward? Um, was that something revolutionary for them, or was it something that they kind of understood straight away? Or are you still on a learning curve with with a lot of businesses which are trying to understand how to do this stuff? It's both at the same time because it's so intuitive because that's what you do in the physical world. It feels not new, but at the same time, they all say it's revolutionary because they've never seen anything like this before. And so uh, really what we try to do is to take what you know in physical security, adapt it to digital, and then you can actually easily use it without friction because this risk of employees is taken out of the equation. There's no infrastructure change uh, when you change the, the lock to your doors. It's the same here. But uh, you know, there's a mentality um, a shift for a lot of uh, CISOs and IT people to say, okay, this is where we are now. So when I know this is what I need to get to, when am I going to do it? So there's different maturity, uh, different size companies, so everybody you know, is on their own journey. 
Uh, we've got people coming back to us after a year of POC. You know, we get people joining straight away. So it really depends on the uh, on the maturity of the team, the maturity of the company, and also importantly, whether they have been badly um, hacked recently. There's always that reaction, isn't there? That's when something's really serious happened. We need to do something, and we need to do something. Exactly. In some cases, quite quite radically, a radical change here has to has to happen. Um, but I can see. Those conversations being quite difficult in the boardrooms that we've done this for decades. This is how we do security. And then you're asking us to literally do a 360 degree turn and do something completely different. Take that control away from the people that we think are our weakest link, i.e. our employees. That's an interesting conversation, I think, to have with uh, sort of CTOs and CIOs um, and the guys looking after, you know, particularly compliance as well. I think those, uh, those guys will have something very interesting to say about that. Um, but I can see the point. I can see how if you make that change, that fundamental change, you can approach security in a very different way, can't you? Yeah. I mean, by 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 taking, uh, you know, I, I, I call it the wrong turn. There was a wrong turn taken <laughs> a few decades ago. And now if you go and just take the right turn, a lot of the problems, uh, subsequent problems actually uh, disappear. Because, you know, you do not need single access because that's putting all your eggs in the same basket. You just have one door, one key. Certainly, you don't use identity for access, which is even worse. Because if you lose it, you lose it forever. You know, you, you forever potential victim of identity theft. There's a, a lot of newly problems created, which were created because there was a, the initial wrong turn taken early on. So uh, by, by taking the right road, everything just seems to be falling into place. And then uh, you don't have to worry about supply chain attacks. You mentioned that before. Because if there's one door which is breached, you don't have to unplug the whole IT infrastructure. You know that there's one door which is breached. Uh, everything else can operate as normal. So it's very much like if you had a, you know, let's say a hundred factories in the world, and there's a fire in a in the back room in a, in Tokyo. You're not going to shut down New York or or uh, or Seattle. Yeah. So, so same principle. You know, by reputting the walls between the systems by having one access, one key, then you can come back to something that you've always known in the physical world. That gives you. All the resilience as well in the critical infrastructure. At the moment, everybody's scared about one attack paralyzing whole nations. It doesn't have to be this way. I guess a laid approach, absolutely, which you advocate, I can absolutely see the value there. Because if someone, if there was a threat actor and they got to layer one, yep, you can get into that, but you might not get any further. So therefore, the damage to your company will be minimized to that layer um, and so on. Um, that's that's clearly a, a, a different way of, of looking at security, completely different to where we do it at the moment, uh, which is which, which someone's in, they're in. And they may have free access to you know, every single system regardless because, as you say, one key, you're in. You're into, you're into the system, um, which, which is interesting. Um, what I do want to ask you about, uh, Julie, also is when you kind of stay, take a step back, last couple of three years in particular, we've seen this move to sort of multi-factor authentication. Every time we want to log on to any system, not just banking, but you know, uh, shopping as well, we, you know, we have to input uh, an RPT code and all the rest of it. Um, I mean, do you, do you roll your eyes when you see that kind of thing pop up on your phone saying, Lee, we are again, we're doing security the wrong way? Um, but at the moment, that's the road we seem to be going down. Multi-factor, it seems, seems to be everybody's, yep, that's, that's the way to fix security. But from your point of view, do you think, well, actually, no, it's not? Put it this way. MFA is a great thing if it's well done, which means that you already have a strong mm, first factor. Yeah, you've got to do it right. Factor. Yeah, absolutely. But the problem is the uh, MFA doesn't change the problem if, you com- if companies still don't control the access. So, you know, if an employee uh, uh, you know, decides to sell the, uh, the access, I think yes, it's still doing it doesn't change anything. So the, 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 the moment what's happening is that MFA gives you a false sense of security. So when you actually breach, you don't, may not know a month after. And we've seen in so many cases of 
MFA being hacked. Um, and um, the other thing is that when you have two weak factors, you still have weak security. Weak plus weak doesn't equal strong. So the business seem to think it does, don't they? They really do. They would like even more factors to, to be in, in play. Uh, an RPT code, a uh, face scan, some biometrics. The more stuff we can put on there, the more security is. That, that seems to be the overriding philosophy with security and businesses. The more security we can put in place, the stronger it will be. But of course, the complexity then goes through the roof and then nobody uses it because it's too complicated. It's also badly designed because it's like patching a patch of a patch of a patch. You know, it's like well, how many patches indeed. do you need to realize that actually the, the, the process is wrong? That's also absolutely correct. I think for me, one of the, uh, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of security people over the years. Um, and one of the things that, all, that was like, really scary for me was the uh, that idea that a threat actor could get into your system. But they don't do anything. They're in, but they just lurk in there for years, months even, just learning your systems, waiting for the appropriate login to go even deeper into your system. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess their whole idea is don't, let them ac- don't, let, don't give them access to, to begin with. That idea that we put up a massive firewall so no one can get in. But that paralyzes business, doesn't it? Um, you know, we, we, we all have to be able to access our systems. We have to be able to look at uh, highly sensitive information, which could be on, a, on obviously from a, from, uh, from a remote location these days with uh, with massive amounts of remote working. So when you look at the, I guess, the the current threat landscape and those kinds of uh, attacks which which happen, uh, unfortunately, on a regular regular basis, um, how do you kick off the conversation with, uh, you know, with Mycena's uh, sort of customer base? Do you look at their, their security initially? Is it, is it an audit? And then let's look at your existing systems and this is how we can change them. Um, this is how we can make your systems more more secure. Um, I'm very interested to see how how that initial touch point and how they react to. I guess when you do your initial presentation, this is how our system works and how it's very different to how you do security at the moment. So what we say is that uh, the, the, the the problem we just described, where you can just go inside the system and just lurk for you sometimes use like if you do cyber espionage and yeah, just yeah. Uh, wait for the moment you can actually find a privileged access. Uh, if you have, um, if you, if you think of password as just keys and you have just, let's say a million doors in your, you know, it's going to be very long, <laughs> very lengthy, very difficult. You're just creating lots of, uh, lots of obstacles for, for hackers to actually get to the right information because just the way it's up. With that in mind, I think for cybersecurity professionals, as we said earlier, it's really dependent on the maturity of the business, the maturity of the people, and also how are they prepared to actually tackle the situation, whether they've been hacked recently. And so there's a lot of factors coming to play. There's almost no identical uh, scenarios. That's another question I wanted to ask you later, actually, about this idea that security is something you can buy off a shelf. Uh, it's the same for everyone. And clearly it isn't. No, it's, I think also you know, there are some people say, okay, I need to uh, protect my biggest asset. They may not want to share with you uh, where the biggest asset is, but they'll have in, <laughs> in mind uh, you know, the, the places that they absolutely want to protect. We respect every situation uh, and treat it differently. Uh, sometimes you can't do deep audits because you know, information just doesn't sift through. Yeah, so just do what yeah, you can. What we say is that uh, the, uh, the most important thing is uh, don't have privileged access, don't have identity access management because you do not need to have anybody's identity or any privileged access to give people's keys. And then, uh, and then you, you just make sure that uh, at the beginning, when you start, make sure that all of the most sensitive keys are, are, are under control and that you distribute them safely and to the right people. And that if one key is lost, it doesn't affect the rest of the business. You don't have to shut down operations. And so uh, from there, once you see that uh, it's working for you, 
you, you know, um, again, depending on the maturity, they would actually move faster or just wait and see. So it's a, every situation is different. You're listening to the Silicon UK in Focus podcast. Silicon UK is part of NetMedia International. Our international team of content creators enables businesses to make long-lasting and engaging connections with their clients, customers, and commercial partners. The DNA of NetMedia International has a foundation of expertise that your business can take advantage of. Whether your company needs an international campaign or you want to reach businesses in your location, we have a passionate team that understands your challenges. Partnering with NetMedia creates value for your business. With innovative campaigns, we can create integrated and impactful communication strategies, ensuring your sustainable growth and long-term profitability. Do you find that um, uh, a, a lot of businesses are looking for not really a root and branch approach. Uh, let's literally just throw our security in the bin and start again. Uh, for, for, for most, that's just simply not possible from uh, maybe a, a, an IT and infrastructure perspective and a cost perspective, of course, as well. But clearly, you can do as much as you need to very quickly and then, I guess, evolve the system forward, can't you? Your analogy of a, of a, a layered access approach. You know, secure the most important stuff first um, and then maybe look at everything else at a later date, but you've secured what you need to secure straight away. I think that's clearly something that businesses can do quite quite quickly um, uh, and fairly cost-effective. Let's let's secure the, you know, the crown jewels. Let's do that first. Uh, and then we'll worry about maybe email and uh, all the rest of it later. But I think what I would argue is that it's more of a holistic approach, isn't it? Because a lot of attacks could come from just an innocuous email. We've read that happens all of the time. That's something as simple as that. That's in a, you know, a, a standard email and it wreaks havoc in a system. So I think in a, in a holistic approach, yep, look after your crown jewels, but don't forget the simple stuff as well, because the simple stuff could actually be your downfall. It comes down to risk assessment and uh, how, how big yeah, a size data can you afford to lose. And I think the, if you don't do the risk, risk assessment of, of a, so for example, for a single breach, how much will it cost you if you lose, lost everything, if you had a, a, a lawsuit uh, regarding this uh, data? If uh, you had a ransomware, how much you know, would you be willing to pay to actually get it back? So all these risk assessments, I think, at the moment, are not properly done because people have put everything in the same basket. Yes, the risk is the same, in effect, yeah. Actually, you know, our first advice is to say, okay, now you try and think of your, you know, um, let's say you've got a million dollars in your safe. How much yeah, are yeah. you prepared to lose at the time? <laughs> and, uh, and then so you, you make these small packages and you put a key in front so that when someone comes in, uh, let's say for email phishing, it doesn't actually wreck a walk through your whole system. Just one small portion. It's it's my analogy with the uh, with the backroom fire. You know, it's just yes, there's a, the backroom because the supply chain attack is on fire, but it's not going to affect every single operation in your business. And that's really important. The segmentation of systems is not done when you use a single access identity privilege account and everything that gives you a single password or a, a single point of entry or single point of failure, we call them. I clearly understand how that is clearly an advantage. I mean, for you, Julia, what what what's what do you think is scary at the moment? We talk a lot about ransomware uh, as being uh, um, continuing to expand and diversify and uh, it, across across the business landscape. But what what do you feel are the I guess the security issues to pay attention to today? What what kind of attacks kind of scare you? Oh well, what scares me the most is uh, cyber attacks on critical infrastructure. 
And I'm, every every day I think about nuclear plants. <laughs> every day I uh, I fear the nuclear catastrophe. I mean, uh, with what's happening in uh, Ukraine and Russia at the moment, uh, both with nuclear powers, um, you know, being in Europe, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a uh, you know we're not far from a catastrophe because of how things are being set up. So we just need to keep on high alert and, uh, and uh, just bang our message down to the media, to the community of security and so on and so forth to you know, make our, uh, do our best so that uh, our, uh, our message of segmentation, resilience gets through before it's too late. That's uh, that's really what uh, what keeps me keeps me awake. Actually, yeah, and, and I think the, the, the that's a sort of uh, uh, that kind of global, um, uh, I guess, point of view. I always feel that also then collapses down to even small business. Yeah, even micro businesses. Yeah, you're not running a nuclear power plant, but you are running some critical systems. And wherever your mission critical systems are, you kind of have to pay similar attention to your security. And if you're not, then there's going to be some issue there at some point in the future. There's that whole thing about, you know, don't think you can protect your systems because you can't. You will have a breach at some point in the future. I think, as you've alluded to, the key to good security is to make that issue with minimal impact on your business. So you can recover quickly. The important data is not compromised and you move on. Uh, That's kind of the best you can hope for. But I think what what we can do is we can evolve our, our view of what security is, how that's configured, how we actually approach that with with our businesses, with our employees, what is security education, that kind of thing. But it's a very different conversation when you're asking, I guess, a business to to look at security in a very different way. When they're being pushed towards multi-factor, they're being pushed towards maybe even back to the old days where there were you know very strong firewalls and and uh, and all the rest of it because. In a world where hosted and the cloud is a core business process, that kind of air gapping isn't really possible. It's very difficult to do security and that as well. So an alternative, I guess, like this layered approach, gives you, I guess, the best of both worlds. Yeah, it's really taking what you already know and applying to the digital world. Yeah. And I think from, a, from a, um, the, uh, the point of view of getting pushed to use you know, more, to do more security, I think it will come from you know the two areas where it's always come from legislation and insurance. The, oh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, it's it's you know for 350 years the insurance industry has um, you know made security almost standard in uh, most of things that we know from buildings to road to yep. everything. Yep. So uh, we need to wait for the insurance uh, industry to actually mature up to uh, what digital risk is, how to make sure that. Uh, which doesn't affect a whole ecosystem, you know, that uh, there aren't systemic risks that affect whole sectors and uh, you know, whole businesses and so on. And then when we actually put the framework in place, and the framework, they already have it because they have actual data from 350 years. So uh, once they can cal- calculate, calculate back uh, to what, what it is today, uh, what risk, they can actually demand that uh, businesses do the minimum security uh, so that they can get coverage. Because otherwise, you know, I can see what what's going to happen next. Um, the legal implications, for example, at the moment, if it's not your keys, not your data. So you can't respect uh, data privacy laws if you don't even control your keys. And that's why we have so many breaches of databases because you know the companies don't control the keys. So uh, so expect to see you know lawsuits in the future where customers or the personal data of people who were who were are being leaked. The people come back and say, you know, hang on, you were at fault here because you didn't uh, protect our data according to the data privacy law. And that will kick in actually the conversation about, yes, we need to control our keys. 
the next stage would be you know, for the insurers to actually say, yeah, you need to control your keys. I'm sorry. You cannot let your employees make their own keys again. And, uh, and then very swiftly, you could actually see a change, very rapid change from zero, pretty much zero security, when you don't control your access, anybody can get in, to a place where actually, you know, good old days, uh, companies control their access again, and they know who has come in, who has gone out, and they can monitor what's happening within their own system, rather than having no visibility as it is currently. That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, that we, we end up uh, in a situation where legislation and insurance govern the kind of security we all have to deal with. That's, that's an interesting, uh, that'd be an interesting conversation that's normally businesses are, are oh, more, not, no, please, not, not more uh, legislation. And we, and we're, oh, we're paying too much for insurance anyway. But actually, these guys could actually drive, uh, you know, the future of insurance. Um, that, that's a, that's a very interesting point. We could, we could probably talk about that for a few days, Julia. Um, uh, to to, uh, to pick that one apart, that's a very interesting perspective. I I, I feel. Well, absolutely. I'll have to get an insurance guy on for for a chat about uh, they feel about security, because I would imagine it's uh, it's something that they would uh, dearly like to talk about, but no one asks them because it's not something that you tend to to ask a, uh, an insurance company about digital security. It's not a conversation you tend to have with uh, with those guys, which is uh, which is interesting. I mean, legislation, yeah, absolutely. I think compliance uh, and all the rest of it, again, that's kind of driving where we are, isn't it? You know, the multi-factor, again, is being driven by, you know, you must protect personal data more. And the focus is on, you know, you and I, when we log on, that uh, personal data isn't, uh, isn't stolen, et cetera. Um, but maybe that can't go on. Maybe the complexity there, um, as it grows and grows, because it will, um, again, it, it, it kind of collapses under its own weight, doesn't it? That's how far do we go? When we say multi-factor, at the moment it's a couple of things, maybe three at the most, but I don't be putting in you know five or six pieces of information to access my Amazon account, which, is, which would be ridiculous. But you can kind of see that, is that where that road would lead eventually if we don't make a radical change? Yeah, well, you know, I think uh, what we're seeing at the moment is that uh, there are more and more companies who decide to unplug that infrastructure as soon as there's a, a risk of data breach, as soon as there's an alarm. Yeah. Why? Because they actually realize that um, if not, you know, within a few days, they could actually get a ride somewhere. So you know, by precaution, they'd rather go back to pen and paper rather than face uh, a humongous risk. So, uh, you know, if you want to actually keep on using digital, I think we are forced to actually think about how to design your, your access process correctly. And because from that spins everything else, you won't be able to have any cybersecurity unless the minimum required, which is you know, protecting your doors, happens. I think people come to themselves. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's, that, that's absolutely correct. Okay, well, I guess just to sort of round off then, in an ideal world, in, in sort of Julia's world, um, what would security look like if if you if you can wave a magic wand at business? Let's let's look at uh, uh, let's look at that uh, that sector. Business are trying to get security right. Past pandemic, what the hell does that mean for us, etc.? If you can wave a magic wand, what would security mean for you? What what what, what ideally would you like to see in place? I think just like uh, what we do in the, in the normal world. So, you know, sorry, in the physical world. So when you when I want to access, a, you know, or go through a door with a lock. I just, I'm able to actually uh, find that key and just open that door and that's it. <laughs> and I don't have to think about passwords and, uh, you know, no one needs to make their own keys in the physical world. So, uh, you know, put this whole debate about uh, remembering passwords, putting passwords behind us. It's all done by the system. Uh, it's centralized by the company. You know, the company distribute the digital keys. 
employees use them without seeing them. And, you know, it's just simple as that. No one needs to think about it. I mean, the ideal would be to actually, you know, forward a year from now, no one thinks about the password anymore. I mean, anybody who uses my scene, I just don't see passwords. So it should be the norm, just like no one makes their own keys. You know, that's it. I've had dozens of conversations with lots of different people uh, about access, what security should look like, etc. And, of course, how bad passwords are. Because a lot of people think, well, they are flawed if they're not used correctly, but they are very strong if you use them correctly. But unfortunately, they're not used correctly very often, and that's that's the issue. Um, because it's unique to me. If it's very long and very complex, that is hard to break. Yeah, we 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 don't have quantum computers yet to, to be able to break these things yet. Uh, so if I create a if I had to, you know, it's it's difficult. It can be done. But it's hard. I need to jump on that because uh, the way, um, if you do password correctly, which is you don't need to see them, nothing prevents them to, for going up in numbers. So you can actually have, let's say, a million uh, characters uh, that aren't, uh, aren't breakable by quantum computing because, you know, you can just increase the number of the, the length of the computers forever. So you're always ahead rather than behind uh, the, the cyber criminals. Yes, because uh, I, I talk to a lot of small, smaller business owners. I think they misunderstand, I think, how cryptography works. They don't the view, oh, when, when we have a working you know, quantum computer, that's the end of, of, of security as we know it. Well, no, it's not, because we can use these machines to also create uh, complex security algorithms as well. So it's not. It's, it's in the mix, absolutely. And I guess we're kind of at, a, I guess, a transition point, aren't we? Those kinds of compute power is, is coming. Absolutely, it is. It's on the I would call the medium horizon. It was on the distance horizon, but it is it is approaching us as a working thing. Um, so I think we are we are absolutely at the at the sort of edge of, of a change in how we do security. As you say, we're going to be forced to do to make probably radical changes for a lot of people. Oh, if I could get rid of my passwords, that'd be fantastic. Let's do that. The businesses as well, but show us how we can do that cost-effectively without ripping out our IT infrastructure, et cetera. But I think those conversations are absolutely being being uh, scheduled onto, onto everyone's agenda uh, because they, they have to as we enter you know, the next phase of, I guess, digital development, let's call it that. I think this is exactly right. The, the, uh, for me, you know, the history of digital is still very recent. And you think microbiology, yeah. you physics, you know, you think medicine. We've got you know, centuries of, uh, of data and, uh, and knowledge. Digital is fairly recent, so uh, people are still you know, waking up to the risks, waking up to the solutions, uh, and also you know we we need uh, more. I was going to say more mathematicians, more scientists to work on the issues rather than just um, you know people who are trying to sell the solution and find a problem sure. for it. So it's you no, know, I call it normal because you know if you think about you know the gold rush uh, in uh, when America was discovered, everything was uh, up for grab and uh, everything was done without concern for law and security. And yep. little by little, things got changed, things got organized, and legislation kicked in, and people have more security, more protection, and so on and so forth. So it's just a matter of time before these things happen. Our aim is to actually make it happen before it's too late. As I said earlier, you know, we're not you know, safe from a big catastrophe. And yeah, it's a race against time, actually. You've been listening to a Silicon UK in focus podcast. Keep up to date with the latest tech news and read in-depth features by subscribing to our newsletter. I'd like to thank Julia for taking the time to speak to Silicon UK. It's goodbye from me, David Hull, and it's goodbye from Julia. Thank you very much.